Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we have a big event that's coming up over in Tacoma today. There's going to be a press conference at three o'clock at the Shallow Missionary Baptist Church. And we have uh, the, pre the past senior pastor church, Reverend Dr. Gregory Christopher, who's also uh, the chair of the Tacoma branch of the NAACP. And uh, so there's a big event holding up. I know that uh, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton is involved as well as Attorney James Bible. So Reverend Dr. Christopher, would you share with our listeners exactly what's going to be happening today and what's going to be happening on Sunday? Okay, so, so thank you, Mr. Uh, Eddie Rye. We really appreciate your support. Uh, 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 Dr. Uh, Leslie Braxton uh, uh, really basically coordinate this event today. It's a press conference uh, that uh, that's uh, carrying the theme, uh, We Can't Wait, Justice for Manny Ellis now and so we feel that uh, we need the state ag to make this the highest priority uh and and we're hoping that they come back with real justice true justice for for manuelis and the family and so so there are a number of pastors uh that are standing with the family today uh to show their support and we are making a commitment to the family that that we won't rest until there's justice for Manny Ellis and and his uh, dear family. And so that's today at 3 p.m. and then Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. there will be a silent march, and we will march to the beat of drums, uh, 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 mimicking. Uh, in a, a protest, a solemn protest that happened in 1917 is very powerful. Uh, and so we'll be and we'll uh, uh, all gather uh, at People's Park uh, and we will have uh, a couple speakers uh, uh, and then we will serve the family, Dr. Braxton will serve the family communion and then we'll give everybody else communion. And so we're in Lent season. And, and we, we, we really want to uh, 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 reverence uh, God and, and, and also tie that into uh, uh, the passing of, of uh, Manuel Ellis, which the annual date is March the 3rd. So, and, and still there's no justice for, the, for Manuel Ellis and the family. And so we just want to send a message to the AG uh, using the words of uh, uh, the late Reuben Hur Hurricane Carter, that we want the, the AG to to, uh, to 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 not turn uh, uh, his eyes away from the truth, don't turn away from his conscience, uh, don't ignore the law, embrace the law, that that principle which the law is meant to serve, and we're just looking for justice, no no special treatment. This is not a uh, uh, we're not playing a race card. We're saying we just want justice. And so so that would happen Sunday. I mean, the march would happen Sunday, and we're hoping that's the message that we get to the AG. That was, that was uh, when you heard my phone ring, that was Reverend Dr. Leslie David Braxton, who said he's on his way because I reached out to him as well as Attorney James Babble. 
So uh, okay. uh, also, uh, folks had to understand, you are also the president of the Tacoma NAACP as well, in addition to being a servant of the Lord and uh, the, the shepherd of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Who else will be involved in this press conference this afternoon, uh, Dr. Christopher? Uh, 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 as a full disclosure, I resigned from the uh, being the president of the uh, Tacoma branch in WACP. That person now is Mr. Jonathan Johnson. I said, That's right. I know Jonathan the, too. Yeah, Tacoma Ministry Alliance. And so, so I'm sorry. So, ask me the question again. Oh, who else? Mr. Lyle Quasim would be here uh, representing the community. Uh, Monet uh, would be here representing the family. Uh, attorney James Bible, uh, one of our best attorneys in this area, uh, will be uh, here to to talk about to give an update on the legal part. Uh, 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 naturally, Pastor Braxton will he will facilitate the meeting. Bishop Lawrence White, who is the the, the court coordinator here in Tacoma, uh, will be speaking. So he heads up governmental affairs for the Tacoma Ministry Alliance. So he will be speaking, uh, and then we'll have a a, 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 a spokesperson from. Uh, the Tacoma Action Collective. That's a new organization of young people, brilliant young people. And so they have been with the uh, Ellis family since the genesis of this tragic uh, uh, event uh, in, in the life in their lives. So, so those are persons that would be here speaking and, and other pastors of this city uh and 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 some from uh the city of seattle will be uh supporting uh this event share what's going to happen with our listeners on sunday in manuel's name i'm sorry say that again i said uh, there's also going to be an event sunday at three o'clock right, so, so, yeah, so, so uh oh, i guess you, uh, so the, the event sunday is a silent march starting on on 23rd and martin luther king uh, and and it would climax at People's Park uh, at Ninth and Martin Luther King. At that event, we'll uh, Pastor Braxton. Uh, we would have prayer. We have a couple speakers. Pastor Braxton will serve the family at the family request communion, and then we will serve communion with everyone else, uh, and 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 just trying to honor the Lent season that that the Christendom is celebrating. And, and to talk about, uh, you know, the, the shedding of blood and, and, and how uh, uh, that has ravaged the, the, the African-American community. How can, how can our listeners uh, uh, participate? But I tell you right now, uh, 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 President and CEO of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, has, has joined us. Uh, President Derek Johnson, Eddie Rye. And we have your former Tacoma president of the NAACP, who's having a press conference for Manuel Ellis, along with others, uh, with another former Seattle NAACP president, Attorney James Bible. So that's Reverend Dr. Gregory Christopher, Derek Johnson. I just want you guys to say the hell on each other, and he's still carrying out the NAACP work, even though he stepped down from being president. Mr. President, it's a pleasure to, to say hello to you once again. I, I met you when you were the interim president. I was at uh, one of the uh, annual meetings. So so uh, uh, thank you for uh, any support that you would lend to this effort. 
to thank you. Thank you for all the work that you all continue to do on behalf of our community. And, and it is a definitely a privilege to be on the show uh, once again. So I, I look forward to the conversation. We appreciate it. Well, uh, Reverend Christopher, thank you very much. I know you're preparing for a press conference at 3 o'clock about Manuel Ellis. So I want to thank you for providing that information to our community. And I'll make sure we promote the, the uh, Sunday, 3 o'clock, silent march in memory of Manuel Ellis. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Mr. Eddie Ryan. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Now, President Derek Johnson, boy, you guys have got a worldwide uh, a lawsuit to garner worldwide attention, and that is uh, filing us the suit of the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871 for the people that coordinated uh, the attempt to overthrow the government January 6th. So, uh, uh, first of all, welcome, and I'm glad you made time for us uh, for the program. And people in my listeners love hearing from the national president of the NAACP. Matter of fact, uh, you have reason to be very proud of Rita Green and Gerald Hankerson, Carol Riley Payne for the job they did with the Seattle School District. But the most important thing going right now is you bringing, uh, uh, attempting to bring the people that uh, the overthrow the U.S. government to justice. So where are we with that lawsuit, sir? Well, we just filed it. Uh, uh, the judgment been assigned. Uh, we're looking forward to making some big announcements over the within the next two weeks. Other members of Congress will be joining as plaintiffs, uh, and we're going to let the uh, system work. Uh, it's really important for us to understand that what we witnessed on January uh, 6th was a failed coup, an insurrection, uh, an attempt to overthrow democracy as we know it. And if we are not willing to hold people accountable for this type of domestic terrorism, we can only be guaranteed that other acts of domestic terrorism will take place. And uh, what we're seeing right now is people are really uh, getting a, a spine to stand up for, uh, for the former president, uh, President number 45. Uh, he still seems to have a grip on the party, and they seem to going to go down with him. So, and I know that some people are leaving uh, the Republican Party, and there's also thoughts about him starting a third party, which I hope to God he does. But anyway, I just want to get your feelings on that. Well, it just shows the fragility of our democracy that if individuals allow a personality that lacks both integrity and character to destroy one of the two political institutions of this country, it just, it just shows you how fragile it was to begin with. Uh, you cannot operate a political party in this country based on misinformation, lies, and, and hatred. Uh, that, is, that is not a political agenda. Political parties are to be the vehicles for agendas. Those agendas are the policy priorities that represent interests of people, and when, it's, it, when it concedes its ability to carry an agenda that, that attracts people, uh, you begin to ap appeal to our lowest common denominator, and it's simply caught up with them. Uh, the tools of hate, the tools of division, the tools of morality uh, to cause us to question one's integrity uh, would fracture this democracy if we allow that to continue to take place. We cannot afford it. Uh, that's why, as NACP, we stood up to represent Congressman Thompson in filing this lawsuit. But America has to make a decision. 
whether or not we want a true democracy or whether or not we're going to allow, allow white supremacy to dominate the landscape. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has a question or comment for you, Mr. President. You know, President Johnson, first, thank you for being here with us. When we had a Congressman uh, Thompson on last week, you know, and I didn't get a chance to ask him this, I just want to hear your opinion. What about all the people number 45 could have put in positions of authority that are going to do everything to disrupt the Biden administration? I mean, is anything, in, in, have you seen anything being done about that? Well, for, first of all, uh, this new administration will have the latitude to uh, make all the political appointments, over 4,000 appointments that this administration will uh, have the latitude to do. And they begin to do it now, as well as uh, escorting uh, Trump appointments out the door. Secondly, have to make sure that certain appointees or individuals don't try to bury themselves as career government, government entities uh, so that uh, they, they, they're not hiding and waiting to show up to cause disruption. I, I believe that is taking place now uh, in terms of identifying those individuals. I know that uh, the, uh, the, the appointments are being made and individuals have been identified of the over 4,000 appointments, only about 1,300 require Senate confirmation. That's not including uh, 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 judicial appointments. So it's, it's the natural transitioning of government. Uh, but I believe some of the career uh, staff that are there are actually identifying individuals who are trying to hide to stay in place. And, and that's what I'm hoping there's a system in place. But when you uh, address uh, President Biden, just recently, you talked about addressing uh, racial violence by the police and imposing national accountability standards. Is that being done? I know that's an NAACP position. Well, we're pushing. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, police are held accountable so they can be the best they can be in protecting and serving and not preying on our community. Much of this is going to be in the George Floyd uh, Justice Act, uh, Congresswoman Bass. Is pushing. I understand that the House will be moving next week to uh, uh, pass that bill again under the new Congress. But then it will be in the Senate, and, and uh, we will have to muster the votes to pass it out to the Senate. And understanding that, the two main things that we would like to see is uh, doing away of qualified immunity, because no uh, set of individuals should operate above the law, and then secondly, a national uh, database of police misconduct. So individuals can't move from police agency to agency causing harms to communities. You, you know, I'm, I'm in total agreement with that. Again, you know, my, my concern was going on with, with all the implants. But, but also, uh, some of the other positions of the NAACP, because you have a broad agenda of the uh, of dismissal or, or the, um, the student loans, the canceling the student debt. I mean, can you share with our listenership some of the other platforms? Because you have... I think they need to know and join the NAACP, of course. Right. Well, you know, there, uh, we are approaching another uh, crisis with the student loan debt crisis. It's very similar to the housing uh, uh, mortgage crisis, about $1.6 trillion in student loan debt owed. A substantial amount of that is from uh, held by individuals who are providing public service, like school teachers and municipal workers and state and federal employees. And we're su suggesting that those individuals, what, because they are serving the greater need of our public, in, in addition to be critical workers, 
we need to discharge that debt so they can be freed up and, and put resources to the economy. It is a it is it's a greater opportunity than any stimulus that we've seen. We're debating now in Congress one point nine trillion dollar stimulus package. We're talking about in total one point six is too loan debt. You add up all of the stimulus package since COVID, we're talking about ten plus trillion dollars in stimulus. A lot of that money have gone to corporate interest who didn't need the stimulus information. What we are pushing for is a stimulus for everyday working people, especially those individuals who serve the public good, those municipal and state and federal workers, and especially teachers, and to relieve them of that debt burden so that they can begin to use those resources and reinvest back into our economy. It's the, the best stimulus that we can get, give. I want to let my listeners know that you're listening to uh, President and CEO of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, and uh, uh, President uh, Johnson, with that, uh, uh, the, the, the Republicans seem to be opposed to the uh, COVID package, but 70% of the American people are for it, including a significant number of Republicans. So uh, can this be used against uh, the Republicans in the next election cycle? I would hope so, but understand, they, they are always opposed to any package unless it's given to corporate interests. And that's one of the things we have to be cautious of how the argument is constantly manipulated to represent something that don't exist. If this was a stimulus to give to corporate America, they wouldn't say a word about it. They'll give more tax breaks. Uh, but what we need is money in people's pockets. So people can then uh, uh, put money back into our economy so the economy can get a jump start. What the prior administration did was a disservice to this nation or our economic system, and to our future. The stimulus is something that's necessary to reinvigorate the energy and activities in our, in our economy. And when you couple that with the with, uh, uh, distribution of more vaccines so we can get past this global pandemic, we can try to get back to some level of operations uh, where people can touch each other again and see each other again. Right now, so many of us in this country, we are we are stuck in this virtual reality because of a spread of a virus that should have been contained by now. Yes. Well, President Johnson, I just want to give a shout out to some of your your leaders uh, of the local NAACP. Uh, I sent uh, your aide, Eugene Brown, I sent you a copy, too, of a Seattle Medium News article announcing that one of the black African-American males who was uh, dismissed by our current superintendent, Denise Juno has received a $400,000 settlement. Uh, and uh, five black males in leadership positions were all dismissed by a superintendent who came from Montana, Superintendent of Public Instruction. And when they hired her, she had two DOJ discrimination complaints filed against her by two native tribes in Montana. So uh, we also asked Congressman Bobby Scott to look into that as well. But I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, your uh, area conference president, our, I'm a member, our area conference president, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, uh, Gerald Hankerson, and the education chair, Rita Green. They did, have done an outstanding job, particularly Rita Green, and documentation and bringing folks to justice. Because uh, the same superintendent who is a, a Native American came here at the Seattle Public Schools and displaced the Urban Native Education Alliance at this Native program homeless. So uh, I think. Uh, uh, 
Uh, we will have an interim superintendent, an African-American by the name of Dr. Brent Jones. Uh, that was confirmed yesterday, along with Eric McCurdy, the former athletic director uh, for the Seattle Public School, who was wrongly terminated with the other brothers, treated the same way. Uh, they started after she fired all these brothers, uh, who was assistant superintendent, uh, chief academic officer, athletic director, and other uh, folks who were uh, stars in the district, started an African-American male achievement program and didn't interview one African-American male for the job. So I would just really want to let uh, you know that Gerald Hankerson, Rita Green, and Carol Riley Payne have been doing an outstanding job. And I'm glad you were able to talk to the immediate past president of the Tacoma branch, Reverend Dr. Gregory Christopher. I want to see if my co-host Haywood Evans had any more comments or questions for you, sir. You know, President Johnson, and I just want to get to when you were talking about COVID and what's been going on and the health crises in our community that even was there before the COVID, we talked about this guaranteed health care. Have you heard anything back from the president? Because look at it, airborne pathogen doesn't care what color, what religion, sexual preference, ability or disability, don't kill, care, kill everybody. Well, we, so we, are, we are early in this administration. Uh, I've seen a news flash today that over 50 million uh, vaccines have been uh, distributed thus far. Uh, that's an accelerated approach, considering that when they walked into office, they thought they had a plan to get the vaccine people and get them in people's arm only to find out there was not no, there was no there there and so we're just a month out from this administration taking the ham and already uh we've we've seen 50 million vaccines being distributed you know that's an accomplishment and i think we can get to the next step of that uh, uh really soon but right now we we i'm just celebrating the fact that we're getting the vaccines and i hope you two brothers have gotten your vaccines now, now I have it scheduled. Both, I got both shots. <laughs> and mine Saturday, Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, I got yeah, no, and, that, and, and, that, and that's so important because you think about uh, we. The, this should have been done and initiated uh, before the end of the year, and it wasn't. But now we at a place where we're actually moving forward uh, with uh, the, the, uh, a vaccine just to begin to curb. What we have seen, 500,000 people have been killed. I mean, you know, that, that's 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 just, just unbelievable. Uh, that's more people that was killed in the Vietnam War. That's more people that was killed during 9/11. And we should not, we should not, uh, you know, lose fact that it's only been a month, and already I'm running to more and more people who say they've gotten at least one of the shots, and like you, brothers, have gotten both shots, and and that, and that is something we should we should hold up high as an achievement in less than 30 days. I'm still wearing my mask. I'm still going to be cautious because they got all these strains and I'm not taking nothing for granted. But President Derek Johnson, and we really do appreciate you taking the time out the last minute. I want to thank my man, Dr. Eugene Brown, for hooking me up all the time. But I say, before we go, I just want to know if there's anything you'd like to say. I've been telling people, Please invest $30 in your civil rights, if not for you, for some, another brother or sister, enjoying your NAACP. So I just want to... I, 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 you, you, look, you just said it for me. Just uh, support <laughs> the NAACP, support the movement of our people, support our community. Uh, because at the end of the day, what we are pursuing is to make democracy work and for us to be treated equally under the laws. Uh, I want to thank you all for always inviting me, and I look forward to the uh, next invitation. Okay, it's too. I don't think we'll be able to make it to Tunica again this year or the uh, the 
CBC annual legislative weekend. So, well, it's uh, annual we'll, we'll look here, when we get back to Tunica, we're going to have a good time. I know we always do. Okay, sir, thank All you right. very much. We appreciate you, President Take Johnson. All right. All right. Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. All right, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest, Dr. Raven Lewis, who is the board chair of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, also known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Dr. Raven Lewis, uh, you've been volunteering giving shots today, huh? You bet. It's been a uh, it's been a great day. I'm learning. Um, my previous uh, work was with the International Community Health Services, so I went down to see how it felt from both from the other side, and hope to use some of these skills as we look at potentially rolling out uh, a vaccine site as our at uh, at the at the McKinney Center sometime in the near future. Well, that's great. So. Uh... Right now, there's work being done on the building. McKinney Center, the, the Public Development Authority, is located at 22nd and Jackson. Uh, as the building has gone full circle, it was originally erected uh, under the leadership of Reverend Dr. Samuel Berry McKinney to be the Seattle Opportunities and the Industrialization uh, Center, uh, known as SYC, to train a whole bunch of Black folks back in the day uh, when there was a commitment to our community. It was part of the Great Society programs. Uh, promulgated by Lyndon Johnson and uh, pushed by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, and others, civil rights legends. And uh, so now it's come back to where uh, we will be able to train folks and hopefully make people some uh, 
uh, homeowners and middle class uh, citizens in the very near future and move back to the CD. So where are we right now, uh, uh, Dr. Lewis, in terms of uh, the status of uh, the McKinney Center? Well, uh, as you and Hayward both know, uh, Eddie, you've been, uh, although you're not official board members, you really are, have been our right, right, right arm in uh, being able to, uh, to look forward into the future. We really are at the point of uh, uh, at being able to do some strategic planning. Um, as you know, the last time you interviewed with me, we were really uh, had gotten the building um, uh, started the process of building the, the board and the team together, and we're really sort of at the, the very foundations of doing our work. We now have a handle on uh, a lot of the improvements that have to be done in the building and recognize that there are some parts of it that will need lots of work and some parts that are actually functional uh, already. Um, and I'll, I actually will, will jump into that part, and then we can go back and look at some of the underpinnings our Programs and Partnerships Committee, which is chaired by uh, two well-known members of the community, uh, Patricia Hayden, who's the Chief Program Officer for the uh, YWCA of Seattle and, uh, and King County, and Lewis Rudd, who is the uh, owner-founder of these Elves Chicken. Um, both of them obviously have a deep and wide experience in, in planning and working in, in complex organization, one on the private side with, uh, with Ezel and one on the not-for-profit side with uh, YWCA. And they chairing the committee that's doing our strategic planning. And quite frankly, they're doing a very good process. At our meeting last night, they indicated that the first step is to talk with each of our board members to get a sense of what they see going forward, what would like to happen, and then we'll expand that to include a wide range of community uh, members, both in small focus groups and individual fact-finding um, in our phase one of planning. Uh, and then uh, phase uh, two would be to go through the process of, of building that strategic plan based on the information that we gain. And some of the questions, and I'm sure that you've gone through them. I've listened to your show uh, many times. But some of the fundamental questions is, uh, who is our community? Uh, as we all know, we've all grappled with the, uh, with the uh, fact that the results of all the change in, uh, in the community, uh, the gentrification of the, of the community has resulted in a significant amount of displacement, a large number of our, of our members of our black community no longer live in our area, either can't afford or have moved, uh, taking advantage of uh, uh, the rising uh, prices and rising value of their homes and have moved elsewhere. And so we have to identify exactly who is our community and uh, what services would, uh, would that, that community, whether it's living in Seattle, living in the near south end, say in the uh, Rainier Valley or a nearby Skyway in Renton or even further south in, uh, in Kent and Auburn, Federal Way, uh, and our colleagues even in Pierce County. So that, that's one of the first things. And the second thing is to really look at the very wide range of opportunities that this building can present. It's a sound, very sound 
structure uh, that needs some upgrading to be uh, um, uh, compatible with businesses, not only businesses in the 21st century, but business, businesses post-COVID. You know, what's going to happen uh, with, with businesses as they look at uh, that post-COVID uh, uh, for their workers? That wide range includes uh, community services indicated by needs assessment, small, local small businesses, specifically, as you know, um, the largest number of businesses owned by blacks are small businesses with uh, less than 20 employees, often with one or two employees. So how do we meet that need? The educational programs we've talked about, which certainly look far into the future, uh, but the payoff for that, for educational programs, is in jobs and um, uh, advancement for our youth uh, and perhaps for those who have come back. So what happens uh, now? High-tech and other commercial training and innovation centers, health sciences. Uh, both of you have been active in looking at some of the built-in services that were already available in that building, and how can we take advantage of that? Uh, uh, one of the other pieces, of course, that doesn't necessarily generate revenue, but is very important in terms of uh, looking at how we provide is, a, is affordable housing. And on the, on the other end of that teeter-totter is market rate tenancy. I will tell you, and you, you folks know as well as I do, that the top floors of that building are, have a wonderful view. They're well-built and with themselves be uh, amenable with uh, some work to uh, host market rate uh, tenants for both business and, and other, other uses. So as, as you can see, the range is, is very wide, and we're at the very front end of looking at how those pieces work together. There are large expectations. There are phone calls every week of folks who have some interest. We still have the goal of having the building available for some tenants uh, to, uh, to move in by the end of the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter. But as we peel away what the needs are and determine where we're going to look in terms of uh, uh, aim, the, uh, aim the building, uh, that could, uh, that could uh, move to later in the, in the fourth quarter. But we still are pretty much on target for that. Now, the COVID uh, is probably putting a dent in the plans, too, uh, in terms of, you know, being certain about when you can go to full capacity in terms of uh, filling offices or classrooms or the dental lab or other programs the board approves to have. So uh, we got to keep that in consideration as well, don't we? That's correct. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's hardly any op silver lining around any dark cloud with this, with this COVID uh, 19. But as I started off, and you asked me about the uh, about the vaccination, uh, we we do have the opportunity, even with a sort of min, minimal specifications of the building in terms of of what we can do with at least one floor and maybe two floors available for a couple of clinic systems who have asked about being able to use our ample space as as a vaccination site. So, you know, it, it, as we build the uh, facility's capacity, and that is both capacity in terms of numbers of people and safety margin and uh, functional status, 
you know, we can use the building um, as it presents itself to be able to work uh, going forward. So, yes, the, the uh, long-term uh, COVID is going to affect, for example, how uh, our standards for uh, for HVAC, for example, and how quickly we get that upgraded and working perfectly. At the same time, we have the ability to act as a temporary site for both testing and for vaccinations. And we're working, as I said, closely with a couple of clinic sites, a uh, couple of uh, federal qualified health centers to see if we can't uh, get something up and running in the next uh, next few weeks. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has a question or comment for you, Dr. Rayburn. Uh, Dr. Sure. Pre president, Dr. Rayburn Lewis, my president. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love what you were saying earlier about the, uh, the housing component and us watching out for people in our community. And I'm just going to plant the seed. You know, they're doing all that development up there off of Yesler Way, not far from the facility. And uh, I think we need to make sure that we have our people in there since they're going to have townhouses slash condos that are going to be well worth seven, eight, nine hundred thousand that they're selling for 200, 250, 300. Just, just want to plant that seed and be nice because you're, you're the chair of government affairs. Am I right? Uh, I am the chair of the government affairs committee, uh, as well as being the president of the, of the, of the board. And you're absolutely right. Uh, there are a couple members of our, of our board who recognize a couple things that have asked about what what are we uh, zoned for? So we'll we will pin that down. And the second is, as both of you have have uh, noted, we do have a a large buildable lot immediately uh, adjacent to the building. Uh, and with uh, space in Seattle becoming much and in, uh, increasingly more prime and difficult, we have to look at the long term plan of not just the building itself but the, the space that's on the lot that we, that we own and what is the long-term plan for being able to do there. And again, uh, there's, there are services, there are uh, the p potential for doing uh, 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 under market rate uh, housing, and then there's a, the capability of perhaps looking at some market rate work that actually can pay for services, both locally and in our region. I just, Lewis, I just want to say that uh, Bob Armstead, one of our <clears throat> one of our colleagues, <clears throat> invited the regional administrator of the Economic Development Administration over, and they did a walkthrough of the of the that uh, property you're talking about, and <clears throat> he mentioned that there's the easy to put up another building there with parking and with residential uh, uh, space along with offices. I'm sorry, Hayward, go ahead with your point. Well, no, I was going to agree with what you said, but I just want to give a shout out to, to uh, uh, Dr. Raymond. I mean, the people, those who don't know, you've been, what, you've met with the state legislature, the governor, the city council, so you've been meeting with everybody. Just want to say thank you for all your hard work keeping this well, thing together. I appreciate, I appreciate it. We, uh, we had uh, folks helped us set, set that up. I know the two of you are on our on our government affairs committee, and we recently did host uh, Representative Santos, Representative our new representative uh, uh, Harris Talley, um, uh, City Council uh, member from Tukwila, Cynthia Delastrinos Johnson, and we had uh, some other invitees. Our uh, city, our county council person, 
um, uh, Mr. Zahide will be coming to our next meeting. And he'll be on this radio program on March 11th. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the day after he's coming to uh, coming to our open meeting, and I hope he has good things to say about uh, about uh, our process there. Well, you guys are doing real extremely well, Dr. Raymond Lewis, and I'm very proud to be associated with you. And I know that the McKinney family is extremely happy with the progress that's being made. Rhoda and Laura Ellen, they're both very happy with what's happening as well. So, well, I tell you what, sir, uh, whenever something comes up, you have a platform here, but we want to at least do a monthly uh, interview with you so we can keep the community apprised of what's happening over there or whoever you designate. Because I know for a while, the first uh, several months, we had your board secretary, Shade Moron. So whoever you designate to come on, we also have had your vice president who's overseeing the construction, uh, Gerald Bradford, on as well. So we want to make sure we keep the community informed on the progress that's being made. So thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Looking forward to talking with you the next time. Bye-bye. All righty. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. All right, I'm not going to try to do no singing. This is Eddie Ryan here with Evans back in Urban Forum Northwest. Before we go to our next guest, I want to thank our sponsors and our supporters. Uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice, Sound Transit's uh, uh, Chief of the Labor and uh, Civil Rights Office, uh, Leslie Jones, Joan Day, and my friend Tim Callahan down there, City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office with Liz, Mark, and Jesse, uh, Concourse Concession, my buddy David Fukuhara out of SeaTac, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC that owns a Mountain Bar and the African Lounge, Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill. Uh, hopefully the business will pick up real soon, guys. 
but that COVID-19 is killing us. Our next guest is uh, Leslie Morishita. She's a real estate uh, development director for Interim, Interim CDA. And uh, they have a big event that's happening today for one of my real good friends who's no longer with us, and that would be Bob Santos. So Leslie, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about Interim first, and then let's talk about the event this afternoon. Okay, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eddie. So Interim is has been around for over 50 years, and we engage in, sorry about that, in um, a whole host of community development activities centered around the international district, but also as they impact kind of the larger low-income immigrant and refugee communities. And, um, you know, everything we do is really based, grounded in the idea of equity and trying to address disparities in our society. And uh, so uh, was uh, Bob Santos, Uncle Bob, was he one of the founders of Interim? You know, he was one of the very first directors at Interim, and he really transformed the organization. It was, I think it was started, you know, I wasn't around at that time, but it was started by, I think, uh, neighborhood business people to promote the businesses. But then under Uncle Bob's leadership, it really, really transformed into an activist organization and, um, you know, advocating on behalf of the especially low-income, limited English-speaking elder residents of the neighborhood and trying to get better conditions for a community that was being largely ignored at the time. And it led him all the way to become the regional administrator of housing and urban development for region 10. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, after he, in later, in his later years, he was, he was stayed connected to interim all the way through until the day he passed away. And, um, you know, we looked to him as, our respected elder, he dropped in often, and he really provided meaningful guidance guidance for us all the way through. Well, you know, uh, folks out there, I got some Uncle Bob stories. Uh, uh, you know, he was always an activist. As a matter of fact, uh, he was director of the St. Peter Claver Center back in the 60s, and he allowed the Seattle Black Panther Party to have a their breakfast program there. And I can recall another incident when uh, Tyree Scott, Michael Wu, Hardy Bird, Todd Hawkins, leaders of the United Construction Workers Association. This was in the 60s. Uh, we had just closed down Seattle Central Community College. And uh, Bob Santos was working for the city of Seattle with, for the Human Rights Office. And so they handcuffed folks and were taking them away. Uh, Michael Ross was a, a Republican state representative from the 37th District. He said, told the cops, hey, that Filipino guy is with us. And they arrested Bob and took him to jail. So the (laughs) very next day, the mayor called him in his office and said, Santos, the next time you go to a demonstration with your friends, make sure you wear this hat that says the City of Seattle logo on it so the police will know that you're not with them this time. So those are some of the stories. But Bob has always been out there for the people. And uh, I miss the brother, but he left huge footprints uh, for people to, to follow. And that, that's great. So now, uh, go. Uh, let's go to the event that's going to be happening uh, this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, the well, groundbreaking. You know, yeah. So it's virtual. It's a virtual event. You know, we, in the spirit of Uncle Bob, we had been, before COVID hit, we'd been envisioning a big party, you know, with karaoke and dancing and, you know, food and drink and lots of people. And um, 
you know, now it's a virtual event, but we're, we're doing all we can to make it feel like we're together, even though we're, we're not physically together. And it's really a time to remember Uncle Bob together and to celebrate the start, the start of construction of this new project, low-income housing, right in the heart of the International District. That is the way we see it. It's really, it's a start of a project, but it's really the continuation of something that Uncle Bob started many, many years ago. And so we really see the project as um, embodying Uncle Bob's spirit, vision, and values. What is the location of Uncle Bob's place? It's going to be at 714 South King Street on a prominent corner of the neighborhood. It's the former site of the Four Seas Restaurant and Dynasty Room Bar, which was one of Uncle Bob's favorite hangouts. So that's meaningful. <laughs> There's layers of meaning in this project. That is really um, so the Four Seas Restaurant, where the project will be located, has been owned by the Chan family. They owned it for for decades, and they really they wanted to close the restaurant because their kids were grown and had different um, careers, but they really wanted to do something that would be beneficial for the community. So now the project is going to be a partnership between Interim CDA and the Chan family, and they're going to continue to own the ground floor commercial spaces, and um, Interim's going to own the commercial portion. So it's really real this project has deep roots in the community. <laughs> so we're, we no. call it housing in, by, and for the community. Yeah, well, I did a lot of time at the, the Four Seas, me and Art Kono, and oh, cool. <laughs> the, late, the late Richard McIver and uh, Clayton Harrell. Uh, so with a lot of events, as a matter of fact, uh, I think McIver had his memorial service, uh, if I recall that he did, uh, at the Four Seas. So, uh, yeah, and our community is a real tight. And uh, well, Bob Santos grew up with the Maxi family. You know, back in those days, uh, we all lived in the same neighborhood, so to speak, uh, due to redlining, gentrification, and racism. Uh, so that's why we ended up all living in the same pro proximity. So today, from 5 to 6 p.m., uh, Uncle Bob's Spaces, this is going to be a virtual groundbreaking ceremony. So give us a few more details on how people can access uh, the event, uh, uh, Leslie? Well, it's going to be live streamed on Interim CDA's Facebook page. And it, it's also, you can get the Zoom link by going to the project webpage. That's at interimcda.org slash Uncle Bob's Place. Okay, well, uh, Leslie, I, is there anything you'd like to say before we, we leave? Uh, today would have been Uncle Bob's 80... Oh, information? I was going to say yeah, today said... would have been Uncle Bob's 89th birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, man. He can sing better than me, I'll tell you that. But anyway, but uh, that's, that's great on his birthday today. Okay, that's great. Okay, well, congratulations to uh, Bob and all the Santoses. And I do know quite a few of the Santoses. As a matter of fact, uh, Bob's brother, Sam, was married to uh, uh, Mary Godot, uh, and her brother, Joe Godot, was one, uh, still one of my best friends. So, uh, you know, we go way back with the Santos family. And uh, 
the Santos have uh, Godot relatives. But anyway, so I want to really thank you, uh, uh, Leslie, and uh, let's stay in touch because this is very important for people to have this information. Today is a big day, Bob Santos's birthday and the groundbreaking, the virtual groundbreaking from 5 to 6 p.m. Uh, interim, I-N-T-E-R-I-M-C-D-A dot org uh, forward slash or backward slash Uncle Bob's Place. And that's also on my Facebook page uh, under uh, Leslie Morishita's uh, picture. Okay? So thank you very much, Leslie. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, keep us informed so we can let the folks know what's going on. Okay, will do. All right, and thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a big event happening over in Tacoma. As a matter of fact, if you're riding around over in the Tacoma area right now, uh, there's going to be a press conference at the Shiloh uh, Baptist Church. Uh, it's in support. It starts at 3 o'clock in, in a minute or two. But go by and express your support for the Manuel Ellis family. Uh, Reverend Dr. Christopher is going to be the host. Reverend Dr. Leslie David Braxton is going to be the facilitator. The other speakers include Mayor Victoria Woodard, uh, James Bible, who is attorney for the Manuel Ellis family, Monet Ellis, who is uh, Manuel's sister. Uh, there's going to be other witnesses, uh, Bishop White, uh, Lyle Kwasim of the Coleman Pierce County Black Collective. And uh, on Sunday, <clears throat> there will be uh, a silent march. It'll be starting at uh, 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, the march will begin at 23rd and Martin Luther King Way and conclude at the People's Park located at 9th and Martin Luther King Way. All participants are asked to wear white if possible and make sure you have a mask on. Uh, make plans for the silent march for Manny. And once again, that's going to be on Sunday at 4 o'clock p.m. And if you're driving around by Shiloh right now, uh, go by, give a honk or a shout out to the people who are participating and calling for justice for Manuel Ellis. And I want to thank my uh, my co-host, my guest today, uh, Reverend Dr. Gregory Christopher, uh, President and CEO of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, uh, also uh, the President of the uh, Central District Community Preservation Development Authority, Dr. Rayburn Lewis and Leslie Morishita, Real Estate De uh, Development Director for Interim. So until then, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks very much, Eric. We appreciate you, brother. Yeah.